It's Gardening Talk back this Monday. Now, Scott, you were mentioning passion fruits earlier, and we've got Julie from Womberall, and she's got some advice in regards to passion fruits. She's taken the bait. How can we help you, Julie? <laughs> oh, I've got three passion fruit plants in that I grew from seed, mm-hmm. um, and they're going gangbusters. They've already fruited, and we got about six passion fruit big big purple ones from them and now it's just still growing but there's no flowers do i cut it back now you you can cut it back now if you want to but you don't need to do it very lightly now the trouble with doing that is it is getting towards that period where you know it's going to start to flower and uh, you want your passion fruits on the vine you know soonish so that they're here in the nice heat and they get that really nice sweet sugary taste now, are you feeding it with anything um, cow manure okay. and yep. power feed. Yeah, now they you're doing the right thing there. They do love cow manure. They do love slightly acidic soil, so you are doing the right thing. I'll probably use, if, to promote flowering on anything, uh, and especially passion fruit, you can use sulphate of potash, and it, it will just help the, the uh, number of fruit on there and um, the quality of the fruit as well. Okay, so it should be flowering now and fruiting again. It should be getting, yes, ready to do that now. Passion I'll fruit go are, and have a talk to it. <laughs> passion fruit are funny things. Sometimes, you know, people will ring up in the middle of winter and they'll go, oh, we've still got passion fruit on our vine. When are they going to ripen? Well, the answer to that is they're probably not going to because it's getting cold and there's not enough sunlight to ripen them properly. It's just, that you know, it's just one of those anomalies. I think that they, off they go, you know, you, know, you get a... You get a weird time, uh, you know, weird heat wave or something in May, and all of a sudden the passion fruit will think, oh, it's time to flower. Uh, but for you, yes, they should be getting ready to flower soon, so I'd be giving a really good feed with potash. Oh, good. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, not a problem. Thank you, Julie. Bye. Bye-bye. Cheers, thank you, Julie. 49216216 is the number you call if you've got any questions in regards to your garden, if you'll expect to Scott Sharp. Now, Scott's passion fruit, there was something wrong with it earlier. There's a willow... A woody. Woody. Woody virus. A woody virus. Yes. Well, I was thinking willow virus. Yes. It's close enough. Yeah, pretty close. Pretty close. Uh, the other name for it is bullet. Bullets. Virus as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, is I, there any reasoning for the bullet or? I don't really know how they've got that one. And I'm not sure the, the sort of the join between yep. woody and bullet, but uh, that's what it is. And it's, a bloke brought it in uh, yesterday at work. Yep. And uh, look, the, the, plant, the plant was just yellowing off, the leaves were falling off, his fruit was just looking sort of mangy, and it was falling off as well. Uh, and when you looked at it, there was no noticeable... Uh, you know, insect or stings or anything on the leaves, which is usually what's going to get a passion fruit. Uh, there, you know, there was no uh, fungal disease or anything on there either. And the leaves were just, you know, they were green, but they, you could just see them starting to sort of yellow off and go a bit bad. So we eventually worked out. We had a bit of a brains trust yep. there. We got a couple of people together and we got one brain. And all that think tank. Between us, yeah. We, <laughs> so we worked out something. We uh, had a whiteboard out as well. Mind maps. Uh, we did that as well and just yeah, drew little pictures. But we finally got to that it was woody virus. And it's actually a virus that's transmitted from, uh, you know, it actually comes from aphids and leafhoppers. So it rides around with those little guys and it gets onto a nice healthy vine and it can you know destroy it unfortunately the only thing to do when you get woody virus uh, is to pull the plant out and uh, give it another try now the thing with passion fruits uh, you know they really only sort of last you know two to three years anyway oh okay yeah and eventually they start to get a bit tired so my rule of thumb has always been with passion fruits to uh, you know you've got one planted and after about a year or 18 months 
plant another one next to it and let it sort of run up through and eventually the other one gives up the ghost. Yep. But you've got your new one there ready to go and you can do the same thing again in 18 months' time. So you don't have you know a downtime of passion fruit. So you just still have a, a cycle. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. Yeah. And we've got Helen from Raymond Terrace. Now, Scott, she's got a question about cherry guava. How can we help you, Helen? Hi, Scott. I've got a very healthy-looking cherry guava. It's in its fourth season now, and um, I, it flowers two to three times a year um, and won't fruit. The wood, the, the um, flowers just go right woody, and that's it. Um, I originally bought the plants from market. It was about a metre and a half tall, and I found when I got home that it was very root-bound. It's in a very porous soil in a... Um, a shady corner with plenty of mulch, and mm-hmm. I've done the potash, and I've done the manure this year. It's growing robustly, but it just won't hold the fruit. Now, the only thing I have noticed is that it seems to get like a cobweb around the flower. Is that possibly what's going on with the fruit, or have you any other ideas? Yeah, that mightn't be helping. Uh, so you can get little spiders that come in, and you know, I guess in a way they almost restrict the, uh, the growth of the flower just by having uh, the, the web around it. Uh, now, when you said you're feeding it, what are you actually feeding it with? Um, I've done it pre-season with potash in the in the in the last three years. This year, I did cow manure. Yep. No, look, that's my girl. You're using potash. You, you know, I'll give you the big <laughs> the big tick there. <laughs> and as I say, it's in a it's near a chookyard, but it's in a sh- in, a, in a corner, so it gets plenty of sun. But the the roots are shaded and got lots of mulch, and there's there's um, wandering dew, which keeps the 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 soil fairly. Um, um, you know, happy. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> so, but, yeah, according to everybody, I'm doing all the right things. But yeah, I, what about, as I say, abundance of flowers, no fruit. Okay. What about when you said it's near the chookyard, though? Uh, because, you know, chooks, pottery manure is very high in nitrogen. So if, if there has been, you know, chooks in the area for quite some time, uh, you know, there'd be a lot of nitrogen in that soil. And that's why you'd be having a lot of green leafy growth. And perhaps, you know, the, the flowers aren't as strong as they could be. It's actually behind the chook shed, and mm-hmm. the chook, the the pen itself is up off the ground, so they're not. It's not directly into the nitrous um, soil. It would be a few meters from the actual yard that they're running around in. Okay, so look, there could be leaching though from from that. I would yeah, just continue okay, on with the cow manure. Uh, the other thing I would do is grab some soil from the area before you put some cow manure down. And, yeah. you know, just dig down a little bit, you know, five, ten centimetres and just grab a little soil sample from down there and take it yeah. into your local garden centre. They should be able to do a pretty quick pH test oh, for okay you. Then. Yeah. So you might find that you've got some very alkaline soil there, uh, yeah. which would be indicative of, you know, the poultry manure being there over time and thus, you know, a lot of nitrogen in the soil. Because the soil itself was originally, I mean, Raymond Terrace over near Lakeside area, so it was originally that bush up until about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So at that, it was a, that very... Um, porous soil, but because that area there has always been mulched and the um, and the wandering dew's always been growing in that area, my comfrey grows really, really well there. But yeah, it just doesn't want to hold the fruit. Yeah, no, it's, it's a wonder that the wandering dew hasn't taken over completely. It's a it's a bugger. Well, it's very good because keeping the moisture in. That's yeah, what I find, yeah, and I... plus it catches all the mulch and whatnot as well. So. I've been educated a different way. <laughs> now, now, the other thing that guava can get, they can also get a little uh, fungal disease on the blossom as well, which might be the reason that, you know, you're getting that flower and then it's just dropping off like that. So to uh, combat that, you'd actually use uh, a copper-based spray or Mancozeb Plus, and you do that when the flower's yeah. out. You'd spray it that time. Yeah, it's almost um, finished flowering now. Okay. So as I say, in abundance. 
big blossoms yeah. and bees are, I've gotten a lot of native bees as well Excellent. as some yeah. others around. So, um, and as I said, then I'm watching and it looks like it's going to hold and it's starting, to, the, the bulb of the flower is starting to grow and then next thing I go out and it's just gone woody and yeah. and that's then, once it's gone woody, then the, the, the spiders, I think, then decide to make their little home there. But that's... Okay. So look, if, okay, to get, then, to get so rid magnesium. of the... To get rid of the spiders, you could use a pyrethrum-based spray. That's nice and safe. You can yeah, also that's use what ma- I do. Yeah, yeah, malathion okay. if you want to. Uh, I'd be uh, thinking about getting that, getting a copper-based spray and spraying the flowers just to try and stop any blossom end rot. And at the what same time, what do you t- call that? You call that a? I'm writing it down. Oh, so that's all right. Uh, yeah, you can get Mancozeb Plus, which is a fungicide, or you can get copper oxychloride which is okay, a, a yeah. fungicide as well. Uh, look, when you're out buying some of that, I'd uh, grab some of your soil sample and take that along yep. and just see if they'll right, do a quick yeah. pH test for you. And then you'll, you know, you'll be covering all bases then. Yeah, I mean, I love my cherry guavas. It's what I grew up on as a kid, and I've, I've got two trees in now, and I'm hoping... <laughs> and I'm just hanging out for that, you know, that lovely cherry guava. Yeah. It's not happening. <laughs> Thank you very much okay. for your time. Well, good luck with Thanks, it. Thank Scott. you, Helen. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers, thanks, Helen. We've got Terry now from Shane of Valley Bay. Now, he's after some advice in regards to compost for his new garden bed. Terry, how can we help you? Yeah, good, thanks, Scotty. Um, yeah, I've just made a new garden bed, and I've used all my old grass clippings. I've composted it down. I've filled up the bed with that. So I'm wondering, how do I enrich it more? Do I throw in some blood and bone, some trace elements? Yeah, look, certainly, mate. Uh, when you're using the grass clippings, you have to be careful about that because, uh, like we were just talking to Helen, uh, you know, there can be a lot of nitrogen in that green leafy growth from the grass clippings. So you have to be very careful about that because uh, that'll promote, when you plant something, it'll, it'll promote a lot of green growth, but it won't necessarily promote flowers and fruiting. Uh, so you have to be careful right. about that. Uh, look, it's okay if you're just putting in, you know, something, you know, a shrub of some sort, you know, like a hedging shrub, and, and you want it to be green and leafy, uh, go for it. Uh, so you just have to, you know, try and combat that by balancing it up. Yeah, like you said, use some blood and bone. You can get some cow manure as well and uh, right. get, get that back into the soil. And that's sort of, that's the counteract. That's the balancing to uh, using the uh, the high nitrogen, the, the grass clippings. All oh, right, and... So should I need to put any sort of trace elements in to put whatever is lacking? Uh, look, you can certainly do that. Uh, most trace elements you'd uh, mix up in a watering can and uh, spread around. But in your case, if you wanted to, you might be able to just sprinkle it over according to the directions on the packet and then just water it into the soil. Okay, then, Scott. Thanks very okay, much for that, problem. mate. Yep, just uh, yeah, be aware of the uh, the high nitrogen content in uh, grass clippings and just uh, think yep. about what you're going to plant there and just a way you can sort of neutralise that. Mate, I thank you very much. Okay, have a good day, Terry. Okay, bye. Bye bye. And from Toronto, we've got Lo, and she's got a question about one of her roses. How can we help you, Lo? I've moved from uh, Tukli to Toronto. The rest of the garden hasn't mind the move, but this one rose, it used to be a prolific bloomer, has chucked a a spazzy somehow. It's got plenty of green leaves, nice and bushy, but not a rose to be seen. And I don't quite know what to do. I've explained to it that I've paid the moving fees, so we're not moving back. So you just going to have to give in. <laughs> but all the others have come on mighty fine. I've, I've done all the things to the same, to this rose as I've done to the others. So, you know, I don't quite know what's happening. Okay, so Granny Low, where are they? Are they in the ground or in pots? Yes, all in the ground. They moved from the ground. I put them in pots, moved them out here, dug holes, treated the uh, the whole, you know, all the things you normally do when yeah. you move a plant, or 
all the others have done. Mighty fine, splendid. They're all bloomingly blooming, but this one has gone gone bushy and green, delightful. Not a not a sign of black specks anywhere or anything, but no flowers. Okay, that's and and you've got them all in the same sort of soil as the other roses. Say again. You've got them in the same sort of soil as the other roses. Uh, I think the other uh, ground was more sandy. What? What? T- you sounds like you got the hound of the Baskervilles in the oh, background stop there. The noise. I'm sorry, darling. <laughs> Even they're not happy about us. At the same time. Quiet. Sorry about that. Say again. It t- sounds like you're the hand of the Baskervilles there. <laughs> I mind dogs as well as oh, the very nice. roses. <laughs> what? What I would do is I'd, I'd grab some liquid fertilizer. Uh, like flourish and start using and start using that on your rose uh, because often a rose you know they've it's been for a little bit of a change uh, you know different position different uh, you know time zone maybe but not quite in this case but a liquid fertilizer will get there straight away into the plant will be absorbed in and you'll be able to uh, sort of cut it back because it's gone it's gone you know blooming well blooming it's lovely and bushy I don't need to cut it back at all you you can certainly do that you can cut roses back any time of the year right uh, look people just typically do them in winter and again the light prune in February yep, yep. but you can you can give it a cut back and then in about six weeks time uh, you'll start to get uh, some flowers back out of it lovely it's the only one not performing I'm a little bit cross because it's in a circular garden and I've got this gap where a flower should be <laughs> you have, your, your dogs aren't out there barking at it and scaring it are they no they're scaring it who's ever at the door thinking they're going to speak next I've got people in a queue uh, okay <laughs> darling so thank you so much for your help okay that's alright Lo you go and use some uh, flourish and try and bounce it out with uh, lovely use some thank liquid you fertilizer. so much okay good luck okay bye bye <laughs> Cheers, thank you much, Lo. It's all happening at her place. Oh, there was a bigger one in the background then. I think it sounded a bit nasty, that one. Yeah, just so that little yap, and there was that big one right at the end. Yeah, it's a whole menagerie there. I'd hate to see it at a front door at the moment. Yeah, they're going to be scared. <laughs> it's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are FM. We've got Cole from Saltash, and he's got a question about his tomato plants. How can we help you with it, Cole? Uh, g'day, Scott. The problem I'm having is the, I planted a grossless and a mighty red, and the first three hands were perfect, got five or six or eight uh, tomatoes on them. But gradually as it goes up, and it's up about six foot now, is that the the number of uh, fruit is dropping off. Mm-hmm. Grad- gradually less and less, and sort of the top the top one that set any fruit has only got one tomato on it. Right, okay. What have you been feeding well, it with, mate? Well, I've been feeding it with that flower and fruit, strive flower and fruit and potash. Mm-hmm. Plus potash uh, and um, sea salt yep. every week. Yep, no, excellent. Right, since I put them in. Uh, uh, just and I also put some crushed up eggshells around them when I planted them. Okay, no, mate, you're doing absolutely all the right things there. Uh, tomatoes are a, a quick-growing plant, and uh, you know, you and they're a very fleshy plant. Very, uh, so you want to try and get uh, you know the fertilizer into them as quickly as possible, and that's why we always recommend using a liquid fertilizer with tomatoes because they're quick-growing. You know, you want it to get in there. It's not something that's going to take some time. Uh, so you're doing the right thing there, uh, using uh, a type of flower and fruit. Um, you know, fertilizer, and you're also using sulfate of potash, um, which is exactly the right thing to do. Uh, the only thing I'd say up around your way, uh, you're up at uh, Saltash, pretty sandy up there. Very sandy, yeah. Yeah, so uh, look, I'll be using, you know, plenty of mulch uh, and just making sure your watering's really, really top notch because, as you know, it's just going to drain away. Uh, every, every night I, I give them a half a watering can, they're in uh, 100 litre barrels. Okay. Okay. And they, I give them half a, li- uh, half a watering can every night so they, they get all the water they need. Yeah, and, yeah. 
They're not showing any signs of stress there. I was wondering if it was something to do with the with the flower. Actually, um, is it, like I, I only spray them with a, the minimum amount of um, like a fungicide mm-hmm. or a, or a um, insecticide, but only I've only sprayed them twice. So far, I was wondering if there's something might be happening with the flower. No, no. Look, it wouldn't be like that. I mean, you're getting flowers on there, but it's it's like you know, the higher it goes up, and you know where the energy is going to get, you know take more time to get to. That's you're getting less and less flowers as it goes up. Uh, so, look, that that's not you know a, a look a fungal problem or anything. It's just I, I think it's just the feeding of the plants getting a little bit tired, you know, a little bit hungry as it goes further and further up the tree. Uh, I just make sure you look. It sounds like you're doing the right things. Uh, I, I really can't pick you out on anything, um, you know, that you're doing wrong with it. So uh, just keep on doing it and make sure that you're watering. Maybe with some water in the morning as well, uh, you know, just to get it through that, uh, you know, that really hot daytime period. And even you know, if, you, if it's really hot like today, you know, at two o'clock in the afternoon, go give it a good drink then as well if you can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good on you, mate. Okay, that's all right. Now, the main and the other thing I was just thinking about tomatoes as well is that uh, often if you give tomatoes just one big drink a day, they suck up all of that water. And when the fruit's you know nice and, and red and it's getting a bit soft, you'll actually split your fruit doing that. So I think consistent watering is probably more important with tomatoes. You know, give it some in the morning, some in the middle of the day, and then some later on at night. So you don't get that rush of water up into the plant and then the splitting of the fruit once it turns uh, you know pink or red. Yep, gotcha. Okay. Good on you, mate. Okay, you sound, look, sounds like you're doing the right thing, mate. Just keep it up. Okay, thanks, okay. Scott. Thanks, Cole. Bye-bye. Just maybe be a bit patient. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's just nature, isn't it? And sometimes it can be a little bit you know, difficult to, to fathom. You know, exactly. it, it doesn't do exactly what we want it to do. Um, it's not quite an exact science. No, it's certainly not. It's certainly not. There's a lot of variables in there. Mm, a lot yeah. of variables. Yes. Very good. It's a gardening talkback on 2 and you are FM. We've got Diane from Gateshead. Now she's, got, she's got another question about passion fruits. Oh, the floodgates have opened. How can we help you, Diane? Um, hi, Scott. Um, I don't know whether I actually have a problem or not. My passion fruit vine has... I've lost count over about 200 passion fruit, and it's, so it's really good. However, there's some little, um, little ones coming through, and they're all crunched up, like withered. Yeah. And I pull them off and yep. just throw them away. Okay. But um, I just wondered whether I've been, whether that happens or Yes. Or so, look, that, that can happen, uh, like we were talking about with the, uh, the bullet virus, that you, the fruit can start to wither. Uh, fruit can also get stung by mites and by fruit fly, and you'll start to get a withering like that. And the passion fruit can also get a, a sort of a blossom end rot as well, like a fungal disease in it, uh, which will right. make, make that happen as well. Uh, look, it doesn't hurt to spray preventatively with a fungicide. That's not, uh, you know, not a bad thing to go and spray around. Uh, you know, it's not going to hurt anything. Uh, look, I, I wouldn't be inclined to just go and, you know, willy-nilly spray insecticides around because you want the bees there and yes. uh, you want them, uh, you know, pollinating all the flowers on, on your plant. So, you know, just go sort of preventatively, you know, spraying insecticides around is not a great thing to go and do, but certainly using a fungicide is not going to be harmful to the insects in any way. Uh, so you could do that just to... Uh, try and make sure that you know that's happening and just make sure that when you've got all of that you know that heavily laden fruit on there that you're yeah. really well watering it so that it's not drying out and getting stressed at certain points in the day 
Yeah, well, I water it twice a day religiously. Oh, okay. Well, that's excellent. Yeah, it sounds like you're doing the right things. You could probably share some of your 200 fruit with uh, Julie um, from Wamberal, <laughs> who I, I think she's going to be fun. I was thinking that when I heard her and I thought, oh, you poor thing, there's, there's a lot on mine. Yeah, we need to like set up a passion fruit collective here where we can you know, just share it, you know, like a stock exchange that's almost. That's a great idea. Yeah, we, there we go. I think I'll have to sit out the front with a, a shotgun or something, you know, because <laughs> it's on the fence, hanging over the fence. And <laughs> yeah, you, haven't, you haven't given your exact address, so all's well there. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> Thank you very much, Scott. Okay, just keep it up. Uh, you just make sure it's being well watered. Uh, grab some fungicide if you're worried. You can use that uh, preventatively without any harm. Uh, but you only use that really when the flowers are on and when they're ready to turn into passion fruit. So, no, better off just leaving it then? Uh, look, at the moment, it's, it may just be that the plant, you know, you've got over 200 fruit on there. It may just yeah. be that the plant's just, you know, heavily laden and it's, you know, just shedding a couple that, you know, it thinks it can't manage. Yeah, well, that's what I was wondering, that's all. There's more babies coming all the time. Yeah, you know? and, and that can often just be, you know, the plant's way of thinning itself out and, and, you know, trying to survive. Hmm, I did wonder that. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time. Scott. Okay, thanks very much. No, Bye. Geez, we'll have to start driving around Gateshead and looking for a giant passion fruit tree. Yeah, could we triangulate someone from, you know, when they're listening to the radio and find out where they are, like using uh, some sort of pinger? Well, I'm sure there's some sort of technology or some sort of app you could use. Okay, well, look, you take the western side of uh, the highway and I'll take the eastern side and we'll find someone. <laughs> we'll get somewhere. We'll get there eventually. Yeah. So we've got Brian from Fennel Bay and he's got a question about passion fruit too. How can we help you with your passion fruit, Brian? Good afternoon, Scott. I'm the guy that was at your nursery yesterday oh, with brilliant. my passion fruit and the leaves. Aha, uh-huh. we've been talking about you all today. I heard you. <laughs> <laughs> you, no, you said you were going to get in trouble from work for ringing up if you, uh, if you did. How are uh, you getting out of this? I probably will. Oh. Oh, i just wait for it. Probably uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mate, get, get the boss to give us a call and we'll smooth it over for you. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. Uh, yeah, you just had a lady ring to say that she had some small passion fruit that were coming on that started to shrivel up. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how mine started. Yeah. And once the little ones were gone, it's moved into the bigger ones. And uh, so mine's in a more advanced state than hers by the sound of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it, it may be what we were talking about yesterday being the uh, the virus. Uh, yeah, I'd say, yeah, I'd say so, yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, but mine was only the small ones that started with. Now it's the lot. Yeah, I mean, look, and just re- re- recapping over yours, I mean, you brought those leaves in and it was very, there was no obvious uh, you know, insect sting on there or no obvious uh, fungal disease. Uh, and, you know, hopefully we've pinged it back to, well, unfortunately for you, that, that it's back to that, uh, that virus that we were talking about. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And yeah. thanks very much for your information yesterday too. It was okay, great. not a problem, mate. Okay, have a good afternoon. Okay, back, back to work, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fix it up for you, don't worry. Okay, thanks a lot. Cheers, bye I might be having a meeting with his boss very soon, I think. <laughs> well, it's kind of on lunch break, so he should be okay. Yeah, I think he can argue the point, but we'll argue it for him anyway. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Brian's a top bloke. He should be able to ring us up. Exactly. It was a couple of seconds. But that's all it was. We timed Exactly it. right. Yeah. And it wasn't really for advice either. It was just pretty much singing your praises. No, no. He was helping out the other <laughs> lady. It wasn't anything about me. <laughs> well, Scott, we're almost out of time for another Monday afternoon, but Myrtle Rust. Well, I won't say we've still got a while to go, but... Myrtle rust, yes. You mentioned this at the top. 
Yes, I'm a, interesting to know what myrtle rust is. It's that stuff there. It's like a yellow sort of powder that gets all oh, over right. plants, and it can get all over lily pillies. It now, doesn't look very very pleasant. No, it's not very pleasant at all. Uh, it's actually spread all up and down the coast now, and it's uh, you know not difficult to control, but uh, sometimes it doesn't manifest itself with that yellow powder. Sometimes you just start to see uh, shriveled up leaves, and it almost looks as if the plant has been burned back. Now you can get it on myrtles, obviously you can get it on lily pillies yep. as well, and that's what the customer brought in yesterday to us uh, some lily pilly with this myrtle rust this sort of yellowy orangey powder all over it uh, and it, it really does damage the plant it will eventually kill it uh, you can get it back under control. Uh, you need to use copper oxychloride, which is a pretty strong sort of fungicide, yep. and it leaves a good coating over the plant. But I think it's important uh, to actually get to it nice and early. Uh, we've yep. had it, uh, a customer down at the junction where she had a big lilypilly hedge, and at first we couldn't pick what was wrong with it. It was just like the, the new tips of the, uh, of the lilypilly just sort of dying off. There was no yellow powder all over it. Uh, oh, okay, so and, nothing else around the plant. That... Yeah, it just wasn't sort of manifest manifesting like like you see in these photos here yep. and then we finally worked out what it was and uh, we've been able to treat it quite successfully uh look uh, myrtle rust uh it of course it, it comes around at this time of year because we start to get higher humidity uh if there's uh, water on the plant surfaces for six hours or more uh you know we get some warmer temperatures in the evening between 15 and 25 degrees and low light condition uh that's when myrtle rust will really start to take over so i guess the further north you go you know you start to get those conditions a bit more but we certainly get them here in Newcastle, uh, you know, from you know this time on. Yep. Uh, if we get a nice hot, dry summer, uh, you know, that the rust infestation is going to be reduced somewhat. Uh, they can remain in the soil for up to six months. So, uh, oh, that's, yeah. that's not good at all. That's... that's not good at all, is it? So, you know, you can sort of think you got rid of it, and you know, you get some splash and uh, some wind, and all of a sudden they're back up into the plant again. Uh, so, it's probably important also to right. uh, drench the soil as yep. well with some copper uh, with the, in the water. Just about to ask, how would you get rid of it out of the soil? But yeah, and that's what you do. You mix up the copper oxychloride into the watering can and just drench it around in the soil, and yep. hopefully that gets rid of it as well. Fingers crossed. Yeah, that's in the soil. It sounds like a super disease. Well, it, it is, and a lot of these little spores are just windborne. I, I guess it's like the way mushrooms, you know, mushrooms just move yep. around that way, and the spores just land in the soil and off they go, and it's exactly the same with myrtle rust. Oh, I didn't know that about mushrooms. But you can't eat the myrtle rust, okay? Oh, you can't? No, it's not a magic myrtle rust. Well, it does not even remotely look appetizing no, it doesn't, it's at not all. either. I'm sure, I, I didn't have a taste of it, but no, <laughs> I can imagine it wouldn't be. <laughs> I'm thinking it's going to be one of those things that tastes as good as it looks. And probably kills you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's definitely a no-no. No, let's not go there. <laughs> We've got Peter from Stockton, and he's got a question about his gardenias. How can we help you with them, Peter? Yeah, good day, mate. How are you going? Yeah, very, very well. Uh, buddy, the uh, uh, white flower that comes out, it, it starts out nice and white, then it goes brown. Mm -hmm. What's the problem? Oh, look, uh, how quickly is it doing that, mate? Probably over a week and a half, two weeks. Yeah, look, that's I. I would say to you, that's probably all you're ever going to get out of a gardenia flower, anyway. They're one of those sort of plants that, uh, you know, you get a lot of flowers on them, a profusion of flowers, but they aren't long lasting. So eventually, they will just sort of yellow and brown off like that. Uh, look over at your place, mate, over in Stockton. I know how sandy it is over there. Uh, so you're probably going to be a little bit behind the eight ball as well, uh, in that you know the water, any water just drains straight away. 
so you just have to make sure that they're well watered as well when you see them flowering. I've kept them, kept them pretty wet, yeah. and, uh, and and I've fed them some iron compound as well. Yeah, that's and that's fantastic. So that'll keep the uh, leaves nice and green for you. Uh, won't really affect the flowers too much. Uh, but I guess if you've got a healthy plant, you're going to have more healthy flowers. But uh, look, mate, a week, a week and a half, that's all you're really going to get out of a gardenia flower. And hopefully you just get you know new ones coming on and on uh, so that you know you still have a good show. All right, just one last question, yep. if I may. Yes. Also around the uh, garden, there are mounds uh, on my lawn. There are mounds of dirt um, all over the place. I've, I've hit it with some lawn grub compound, just watered it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what are these things? Are yeah. they bugs or are they grub? Uh, look, it depends. Uh, it can just be earthworms. You can often those little mounds of dirt will just be earthworms coming up. Really? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so uh, and so. I mean, you probably don't really want to kill those, but I understand that they can no. they can make a mess. Uh, but if you did want to get rid of them, you know, they were making a particular mess, the, using those lawn grub killers, uh, you know, will actually get rid of them. But, uh, look, it's probably not something you want to do. They're healthy for the lawn. Uh, you know, they're doing a lot of, they're actually aerating it, uh, and, you know, you know, they're eating and doing what earthworms do and stuff comes out the back of the earthworm or the front, whichever way you're looking at it. And uh, it's, it's actually helping feed up. So you're getting the castings of the worm helping the lawn as well. Yeah, that's good. No, I've got lily pillies as well, and uh, they've they've uh, they've come along quite well. It takes a lot of looking after, particularly in the early stages. Yeah, but um, they are they are a great plant, and they do get up and you know make a really good hedge for you. Yeah, thanks, buddy. I appreciate your help. Okay, good on you, Peter. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye bye. Cheers, thanks, Pete. We've got time for one more call. We've got Lynn from Gresford, and she's got another question about kangaroo paw as well. You, you've got probably a lot of kangaroos up there, haven't you, Lynn? So you might be talking about real kangaroo paws. <laughs> um, yeah, I may as well talk about both. <laughs> um, it's not actually a question. Yes? I'm, we are growing kangaroo paw in the front garden, and it's thriving. Now, you've got really great conditions up there at Gresford. It's uh, not as humid as down here on the coast. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and look, it's obviously a little bit drier as well up there. So you've got a fantastic place to grow kang- kangaroo paw, and that's why you're having such luck with it. And we've had many comments about how beautiful it looks. What, co- what colours have you got? Red. Yes, okay. And you can get uh, yellows, oranges, uh, funny ones like with a red and green on there as well. Um, oh, right. Yeah, they... And this has got a little sort of orange um, flower. Yes. Yeah, but it's basically red, uh, flame red colour. Yes, yeah, so look, I think you've got the best. If you've got uh, really dry conditions, uh, you can grow them down here in Newcastle on the coast. Uh, you just have to be careful about how much you're watering them. Uh, yeah, well, we water it, um, give it a light watering about four times a day, yes. the whole garden, and it's full of natives. Okay, that sounds like you're doing the right thing up there as well. Yeah, we have a soaker hose on time. And it, it turns itself on about, as I said, four, six times a day. And what about the and other? And it's doing well. And what about the other kangaroos? How often do they come in? Um, well, I've seen them in the paddocks on on the oh, quite a few times, but there's none immediately here. Uh, so they're not they're not eating your garden or eating the kangaroo paw on you? No, okay, no. Okay. <laughs> 
No, there's a lot of kangaroos around bases. <laughs> that so, might, now, this could, we were just talking before off-air about how they should be redoing Skippy and Vasey and Gresford might be the right place to great film Great location. Great location. If there's plenty <laughs> yeah. of kangaroos up there, then that's where we're going to film it. <laughs> Will do. And thank you very much. Okay. Bye. Thanks very much, Lynn. Cheers, thank you, Lynn. And it's almost all over for us in Guarding Talk back this Monday, Scott Sharp. We're full of good ideas, aren't we? It is. I think it'll be a great place for Skippy 2.0 or something. We've had so many good ideas. None of them have got up. But no, no, there's always a chance, yeah. We'll just need a big financial backer or That's, something. Yeah, someone like that. Now, before you do go, Scott, you've got a couple of flowers. Yes, I thought about, I'll talk about uh, a new Mandevilla that's out. It's called Twice as Pretty. I, it's got a red and a white flower on it. Uh, Mandevillas are a fantastic plant. Uh, they'll grow in the full sun. They'll also grow in some semi-shade. Uh, look, they are a, a climber or a semi-climber, uh, but the fantastic thing about them is that they only send out their tendrils, you know, once in a, well, I won't say a blue moon, yep. but it's a containable amount. So you see the tendrils coming out and you can prune them and you can keep them as a nice uh, specimen in a pot, uh, you know, almost as a semi-shrub in the garden. This one's uh, a red and white flower. Uh, it's called Twice as Pretty. It's a very nice looking plant. Very good, Scott Sharp. Well, that's all for us today. Okay, not a problem. Thank you. I'll see you next week. Yes. And if you did miss anything in the Guarding Talk back today, you can check out our podcast on 2NURFM.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.